Welcome to Cretech Climate Cast, a podcast series devoted to educating, inspiring, and leading the built world to address the world's biggest crisis, climate change. I'm your host, Michael Beckerman, CEO of Cretech Climate, the leading voice for the real estate industry's commitment to climate tech. Join me each week for 20 minutes as we connect with the world's leading real estate and tech innovators from VCs, real estate companies, academic and nonprofit sectors. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, it's Michael Beckerman, CEO of Cretech and Cretech Climate. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Cretech Climate Cast, where I talk to leaders who are helping to decarbonize the built environment and are making great progress uh, in on the uh, ESG front, um, as well as DEI, which is what we're going to talk about today. So I've got Kunal Lunawat on the podcast of Agia Ventures. He's the co-founder, uh, co-founder and managing partner. And um you know incredibly impressive what what uh, kunal and his colleagues have, have built um one of the things that i was really struck by was their emphasis on diversity and inclusion which you don't hear a lot about unfortunately in the venture world and in the climate tech uh ecosystem so uh when i discovered them and when we connected, it was something that really resonated with me. So Kunal, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you, Michael. Um, it's a pleasure. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So why don't we begin by just giving a brief introduction to the audience, to yourself and the firm's current focus. I know that you raised recently a $32 million fund. Congratulations. So I'd love to understand about just your career journey and sort of the fund and its its focus today. Sure. Um, so let me start with the fund and then I'll tell you a little about myself. Um, so the fund's an early stage fund um, investing in US-based technology companies um, doing two things. One, um, building for the built world. So by that, we mean real estate tech, construction tech, sustainability tech. Uh, but second, uh, you know, building solutions in AI and blockchain where we can come in and then help the founder think about use cases in the built world. We made 25 investments to date, um, based out of San Francisco and New York. Um, and I think this is an incredibly exciting time to be in the space. Um, and then, as I said, a little bit about myself and my journey into starting Agya, co-founding Agya. Um, I grew up in India, um, came to the US for the first time as an undergrad student in college, uh, which was a very, very enriching experience for me. Uh, then worked at Blackstone Real Estate, went to business school, worked in product and tech, Helped out my friend Ryan Johnson building Caldesac. Um, and then coming out of that, you know, was helping out a few large real estate developers and general contractors think through their carbon footprint, their technology initiatives. And then with Noble, my co-founder, we ended up starting this fund. Wonderful, wonderful. And when you started the fund, you know, sort of what was like the the mission, the mandate that you were trying to either solve or invest in? You know, what what's the sort of the, the investment lens that you're looking at through? Um, again, like a, a, a couple of different things. One, um, I have come to believe with high conviction in the last few years, been in the, I've been in the industry that uh, a lot of the solutions that truly disrupt the industry are not going to come from within. I mean, it's just not. And we've looked at now we have like a 10 year time series uh, in terms of how real estate tech has done as an asset class and venture. And there'll be very few people who can put their, you know, 
hands and their heart and say, hey, this has been like an amazing outcome for everyone involved. Um, so I'm of the belief that increasingly, you know, the truly disruptive solutions are going to come from people from outside the industry. Uh, so someone who's building an AI from OpenAI, right? We met a founder recently. Uh, they'd never thought about like a real estate tech application uh, in that space, right? So working with them to then bring them within the industry, right? The same with, you know, founders in blockchain, you know, building on Ethereum, building on Solana. Like they've never thought about how that can be applied to mortgages, right? So helping them kind of think through that. So that's, that's one of the uh, exciting attributes of the fund. Um, and the second is, I think, diversity of thought and diversity of um, intellectual capital. Um, as you pointed out at the outset, unfortunately, venture by itself and specifically real estate tech and clean tech are notorious for not doing well there. Um, so we felt that, you know, um, an eclectic flavor of capital makes investments more empathetic. And that's what we felt the need for in the market today. And that's why we're doing this. That's great. Uh, and I love that. I want to come back to the diversity part in a second. When, so when you think about this massive industry, the largest industry on earth, right, real estate, uh, the one that also historically has underinvested in technology and innovation uh, by a w wide margin, they, they're underinvesting, I think it's somewhere between one, two percent in R&D when the rest of the world is five to ten percent or whatever. What are the problems you think that technology, AI, blockchain, machine learning, whatever it is, can solve? Like, where are the inefficiencies that you see? You talked about construction, for instance, which, you know, I couldn't agree with more. I think construction is ripe for massive disruption just because of the incredible inefficiencies and waste that are in that sector. So how do you think about, like, the problems that you're trying to solve through technology? Um, it's incredibly tough. Right. And one simplistic framework to kind of think about this is we need to be investing both in bits and in atoms. By atoms, I mean the hardware. Right. So what kind of construction material do we use? And by bits, I mean the software. For every new use case that's coming out with modern technology advancements today, uh, with blockchain, with AI, uh, with, you know, anything else for that matter, we are solving through the bits. We're trying to build new software use cases, which is great. Right. Uh, but at the same time, why real estate is such a unique case is we also need to be investing in atoms. Hey, is there like a greener cement? Mm -hmm. Is there like a better use case for timber, for lumber, right? Mm -hmm. And how do we kind of like make that happen? And then how do we use the bits to solve the supply chain piece? And maybe then use, you know, hash data on the blockchain to manage that supply chain to see how that ties into scope three emissions. So not to get into too much detail, but I think it's a common, it's one of those unique industries where you need to kind of invest in both the bits and atoms. Yeah, I think that's spot on um, because one of the things that we, we have talked about on this podcast and I continue to talk about with you know our mutual peers is the reluctance in a lot of cases for the venture world to invest in hardware, uh, you know, specifically as it relates to decarbonization and climate tech, just because what? It's complicated, it's hard, not everybody understands it. Um, it's messy. You deal with a lot of legacy infrastructure issues. So how specifically, if I could just unpack that, because that is something that I think doesn't get talked about a lot enough is what, what about the hardware component in addressing specifically the decarbonization uh, goals that we, we must hit uh, that are in front of us? Yeah, I, I feel pretty strongly about this. Um, I don't think venture capital is the right source of capital for this. 
I mean, to draw an analogy, right? Like when co-working became a thing, right? Like in hindsight, now it's clear, but you should have never been using VC money to finance long-term lease obligations. Right. Same thing with co-living, the same thing with dark stores, the same thing with short-term rentals. And now everyone's talking about an opco propco model, mm. right? Um, so I do feel that, you know, with the bits, there's clean tech funds. For atoms, maybe there's a new category of capital that comes to be, and specifically for atoms with respect to the real estate industry, right? Just, just, just a thought, which I think, you know, might transpire in the next couple of years. Yeah, no, spot on. So if I am a hardware or, no, I mean, if, I, if, you know, if I'm on the software or the hardware side and, and I want to put my product in front of, uh, Agit Ventures to consider, Tell me about the thought process, process, about what you're looking for when you get a deck in front of you. Because that's the other thing that I'm always trying to be helpful with, and whether it's introductions or insights is, you know, here's this deck. This is the process, right? It gets in front of you. It's a referral of some sort that's a warm introduction. What are you looking for in order for And then what sort of, you know, stage or size are you looking to deploy the capital? Right on. Put you on the spot, but put you on the spot because we got a lot of startups that are listening to the podcast. That is exciting. Ask the question. Um, So, I'll I'll tell you the dream scenario, right? And then you can obviously work backwards and peel the layers. Um, It starts with the founding team, and for me, the dream founding team would be a technology or product person who has nothing to do with the industry, Mm. right? And then there's another founder, someone who's managing biz dev and sales, who's an industry veteran. Okay. Right. Um, because our industry is such where you need those close relationships to get the sales process moving forward. But at the same time, you absolutely cannot think the way the industry does today, or we'll be at the same place in the next five years. So it starts with the founding team. Um, I, I care less about the TAM. I care less about the competition, right? Because the time's there. I mean, the fact that, you know, everyone's talking about it, the fact that SEC is going to come up with its own climate change rules and things like that, the time's there. Right. So this is one of those cases where I just don't care enough about the dam. Uh, competition is the same thing. I mean, yes, people say that there are like 200 teams building, you know, carbon accounting software. But guess what? Like, uh, like uh, I, I saw this data point like last year, the hundred like leading multinational corporations in the world, like 140 of them had no mention of climate related disclosures in their financial statements. So clearly no one's using that carbon accounting software which tells me there's a massive opportunity for another team to come and take another stab at it. Um, I do like to see capital efficacy. Um, and I think this has become more of a trend over the last 12 months since, you know, trends and venture, which is, I mean, money is not free and money is not meant to be free. You're meant to earn it. Right. But there was, there was this tendency among entrepreneurs that, Hey, there's always an extension round to be had. There's always an up round there. Right. Like, because all of this investing was momentum driven investing. Right. So I think we're in a different period of time. And I'm glad that we are. We're being more conservative. So I do like to see capital efficacy, both in terms of your burn and how you're running the operating side of the business. And if you have a hardware business, right, how are you planning to de-risk that over time by not using venture money? Mm. Right. Right. Um, so, I mean, these are a few things, and then I can go into more details than any of these things. But if I have to point out two things, one, it has to be an ambitious founding team. And then the second thing is, you know, how do you run a capital efficient business at scale? Yeah, that's very refreshing. And I love that. Um, okay. Now let's talk about uh, diversity, something that's really <laughs> important to you and incredibly important to me as well. So in your newsletter, the time you, you wrote something called the time for sustainability and diversity. Um, 
18% of the industry typically, I think, has a, a female founder as part of the founding team. You've made the statement and the goal and the objective that yours is 50%. Bravo. Love Thank that. You. So talk to us about the role of diversity uh, at the intersection of sustainability and ESG. How do they collide? What's the impact? Why is it important from your vantage point? I mean, it's just a no-brainer, right? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think any one person has the solution to building a platform that will improve the world from a sustainability perspective. So then what you can solve for is investing in incredible talent that has different ways of thinking it and different ways of looking at it. And the only way you can do that is by investing in the eclectic pool of talent. I will point out this, that um, I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, this was like two weeks ago. And uh, the reason why this is so important is, um, I mean, some of these problems transcend countries and transcend, you know, economic classes. We have 1.8 billion air conditioning units in the world today. By 2050, we'll have 5 billion, most of it coming from China and India. 800 million people have no access to energy today. 1.2, 1.3 billion people use less energy on a daily basis than the refrigerators in our living rooms do, right? So for us to say that, hey, I'm building software that decarbonizes commercial real estate in Manhattan, it's just like, to me, at some level, like, just, just like, you know, hey, guys, like, are you sure you even get the scale of the problem, the complexity of the problem? And that is why when you speak and engage with diverse viewpoints and invest in them, you see the scale of the problem. And mind you, some of these data points, guess where they came from? They came from female founders who'd been and had lived in other parts of the world and had kind of, and I'm not saying that, hey, like we should, that that is one reason why we should invest in diversity. But I think that gives you an example of why it's so imperative for us as a venture community to invest in diverse founders across, you know, race, gender, and nationality. I freaking love that. That's, that's inspiring. Uh, and, and what we need, you know, I was at a, event recently that i was speaking at and um collectively people were contributing and i i, I did as well and we we have we fall into this trap those of us that are you know passionate and terrified of the climate crisis that we do focus on new york and london and paris and madrid and uh you know toronto and we and we celebrate uh, a great new net zero tower and I, I said, you know, that that's great and we, they should be applauded, but the bulk of the problem doesn't sit, rest there. It rests outside here that, you know, most of us don't even have never visited or don't even know anything about. Or, and, but if we're going to achieve this, you know, the decarbonization, we've got to go outside of these, you know, beautiful cities and these beautiful buildings and these wonderful stories that, that, that require just massive amounts of capital that only a handful can really invest in. That's great, but that's not at scale. And that's why I also love that comment because you're right. I'm, I mean, it's something I feel very strongly about, right? Think about this, like 800 people who have no energy in the world today, like this data around it, there's been studies done that once you get access to energy and an energy rich future, it actually increases your life expectancy. That's right. Right. So to, again, like come at it just from a net zero perspective and say fossil fuels are bad. I mean, be one of those 800 million people who've never seen energy in their lives. And do they right. care where they get the energy from or whether it's like from fossil fuels or solar or wind? No, they don't. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the problem is that it's completely different. And that's where like the next, you know, the next four or five decades of energy consumption is going to come from. So it's fine for us to decarbonize real estate because it is like 20, 30 percent of global greenhouse emissions. But if we are really serious about climate and sustainability, we need to think about it from a way different perspective than the industry is doing right now. Hell yes, man. I, I couldn't agree more. And I love the the comment about um, you know having diverse founders gives you the diversity of experience, totally. thought, and perspective, and that's you know there it is. I mean that's what we need to do. all of us need to do a better job of, of of hearing those voices because, and I'm guilty of it, man. I tell you, I mean, you know, shoot the arrows at me because sometimes I'll look at my stages and I'm involved. I'm responsible for the program I and mean, with my team, and I'll get there and go, you know, where's the diversity of you know, uh, of, um, you know their their perspective, their viewpoint, their location, their nationality, their ethnicity. You know, if it's all one category or ninety percent, you know, it's it's very monotonous and repetitive. So we we've got to I got to do a better job. Let that start with the man in the friggin' mirror. Um, so tell me about like you know also from a technology point of view what do you okay so we've got this big ambition we're all focused we're focused on the built environment 40 percent of global greenhouse gas emissions 29 from operating 11 from embodied give or take what are the you know you're a technology guy what are the technologies that you're excited about where you see that can make an impact and feel free to plug some portfolio companies as well why not <laughs> why not um Sure. Um, so um, I do think, you know, um, AI and blockchain are pretty promising in their own right when it comes to real estate tech and sustainability and climate tech. Um, with blockchain, I think, you know, there's been there's been a lot of noise and there's been a lot of signaling. Um, I think, uh, I mean, technologically, if you can hash or if you can store all the data of your emissions on a chain, right, and then that can be used as proof of your carbon emission efforts and that can be linked to your cost of capital right that this is all the things you've done and this is why the market's going to reward you more or less i think that's a unique use case today um, i think one of the most promising um, outcomes that might come off all of this is credit providers might increase the cost of debt for asset owners and operators that don't have assets that are sustainable or green right but there's no way for them to kind of monitor that on an ongoing basis. There's got to be like a stream of data sets. So if I'm an analyst at a private equity firm trying to underwrite this asset, right, there has to be a way where I can pull that data in an authentic and verifiable manner. If you're a prospective tenant, like a large enterprise client trying to see, hey, like, is this asset, does it check off my sustainable criteria? Being able to pull the data. Uh, again, authentic and real-time manner, I think is critical. So I think that's there's something there where um, I think people building in blockchain have a very interesting use case that's a low-hanging fruit. So that's mm -hmm. one. Um, AI has been, um, I mean, one of my biggest fears is that you know AI goes down the metaverse path where nothing comes of it because I do truly believe in the promise of the technology. Um, and um, I think there are use cases in generative and conversational AI which can just, um, at the very minimum, improve the conversation and awareness around climate tech, and as a result, have more positive market outcomes. Um, and in the best case scenario, actually kind of like, you know, make like huge impact in the way buildings are built, right, or visualized. 
um, or materials are kind of like thought about and then recommended and then finally bought. I uh, can go into any more details there, but these are the two things that I'm personally the most excited about. And are you seeing, and in, in, it's just a follow-on, are you seeing the, the deal flow that gives you hope that you, the, the solutions are, as you started the podcast, um, like this, you know, and you said that you're looking for for founders or part of the founding team that's outside of real estate. So are you seeing the technology, uh, you know, the, the, um, the startups converge now on real estate at scale? I mean, are, are you seeing a good deal flow, I guess is the question? Um, yes, with a caveat. Um, so yes, we are seeing good deal flow. I mean, like climate tech has been like a robust talking point, right? Yes. Across the industry. Uh, the caveats, this, um, I mean, we're from this fund going to invest in another like four to five companies and then we'll be fully deployed, right? Um, and I don't think any of these four to five companies will, four to five investments will come from people within the industry. So my job as a VC now is that I'm actually going outside real estate tech. I'm going to the more conventional tech circles and the tech, conventional tech circuits, right? And talking to founders who are building and then telling them about our industry and about construction and about the opportunities out there. And then seeing if there's kind of a meeting of minds and then making investments in those people. So that's, that's where my head's at. Uh, but to your point, yes, there is deal flow in conventional real estate tech as well. Yeah. That, that's encouraging. You know, one of the things that is encouraging for me is that sort of on my climate journey and, and speaking to, uh, as many universities as I can, because, you know, the young people are so inspiring to me, specifically on climate. And, you know, you, you, you get into a, uh, an interactive classroom and yeah, you talk about where they see their careers, uh, in the future and, it feels like it's six out of seven out of 10 are, are talking about sustainability. And these are engineering schools as well as marketing and business schools and, you know, you name it. Now, can we get them to focus on the built environment when there's a lot of other, you know, wonderful uh, technology companies that are being scaled, focusing on climate? That's our job, right? <laughs> to get oh, them to focus exactly, build right. uh, but so I, 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 I do find that encouraging to hear. And, and there's, there's a lot of interest and excitement, right? Uh, for people outside the industry to look at our industry. So I think collectively we are doing a very good job in kind of like building the use case for real estate and sustainability. Yeah, we're trying. So what's next for you guys? Uh, so got a couple more investments in this current fund. Uh, deal flow feels good. Is it what going to go out and raise again? Same size fund, larger fund, still focused on the U.S. Uh, thank goodness you'll hopefully still focus on the built world and climate <laughs> and you won't leave that uh, focus. Tell us what's next. Right. Um, I mean, right now, the immediate short term focus, Michael, is to deploy this fund well and then spend more time working with the portfolio companies. Great, great, great. What what could uh, give me some advice, if you don't mind? You know, what could I be doing to be raising a level of awareness about you know, everything that we're focused on, whether it's through the diversity lens or climate, all the, you know, both, uh, you know, what, what's some advice that you could give me uh, in, in trying to, you know, really galvanize the built environment and to get them to focus on investing and adopting climate tech solutions and diversity? Um, I say this with utmost authenticity that I think you, Michael, have done an incredible job of bringing the community together. You're kind. I mean, for that, though. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, there are very few people outside the U.S. who have heard of real estate tech in the U.S. And when they do, I think there are a couple of names that come up, and yours is typically one of them. 
right? Um, so um, I think a lot of the credit goes to you for that. In terms of how we can improve on things, because there's always room for improvement. Um, I think a couple of things, right? I think like, let's look at the data in terms of between 2020 and 2050, which countries are gonna be the highest consumers of energy. And there's like plenty of reports there. And then let's get people from those countries in the discussion that's table. Great. I think that's one. Um, and I think second, which we also touched upon is, I mean, real estate as an industry and real estate tech as a venture ecosystem is richer when we bring people from outside the industry and outside the technology sector. Mm. Um, so why not bring someone from Microsoft to come and ask them about, you know, large language models and then tell them about ideas in real estate tech and have them go back and build in real estate. I mean, we all benefit from that. So I think these are two things which I see as a natural progression towards the industry, kind of like becoming better for it and love for you to have some people there. That's great, Kunal. I, I, I really, really um, taking that to heart. Like that, those, there's some really good advice. Uh, thank you for the compliments. Not, not needed, but thank you. It's not why I asked the question, but, uh, but thank <laughs> you. It's very kind of you. But, you know, I think what I'm hearing over and over again in this, in this conversation is the need for uh, new perspectives diverse perspectives uh, and from, you know, different geographic regions and as well as different, you know, corporates and, and technology uh, companies that to come in and join the discussion, join the debate and, and contribute because we all have the same goal, right? That's why we're all doing this, right? save the planet from mass extinction for our for future generations because we certainly didn't get it. My generation certainly didn't get the job done when we knew the facts. You know, we were sitting around the dinner table the other night with my kids and we were just talking about, you know, we knew all this in the 70s. Man, we did nothing about it. You weren't born, but now we got to, it's the race. So, you know, what do we need to, to, to on that race? We need uh, diversity of thought, perspectives and companies and talent. So I hear it loud and clear, man. It's a, uh, Really great, Kunal. I really appreciate you. Love the work that you're doing. I love the themes that you're advocating. Uh, I'm a big fan uh, for what that's worth. And thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Michael. Pleasure is all mine. If you want to hear more about top industry trends, please hit subscribe and join us on this journey to reimagine real estate. If you've enjoyed listening to this week's episode, please be sure to give us a five-star rating and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. To stay up to date on leading climate tech trends and topics, join the Cretech Climate Community by clicking the link in our bio. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you join us next week.